Your life to date is your first draft, and it's mostly been written by somebody else. You get to rewrite it. Welcome to the Liminal Zone Alchemist, the podcast for when you're stuck between the patterns of your past and the pull of your purpose. I'm your host, Sally Hardy, and each week I'll be challenging your understanding of what it is to be a human in the modern world. I'll help you free your innate genius from the socialized shadows, reconnect with your inner knowing and lean into that pool, letting your purpose guide and support you with ease to the impact that only you can make in the world. Okay, get comfy, set your brain to curious, and let's get on with the episode. Hello, lovely people. I've missed you. I've missed being in your ears. I hope you're well. I had a very exciting morning. I started a new notebook, which is one of my favorite things to do. I love stationery. I love pens. And there's something about a brand new notebook that simultaneously fills me with deep, deep stationery geeky glee. And also quite a lot of intrepidation because it feels like before I put any marks on the paper, like it's got to be perfect. This has got to be exactly the kind of notebook that I do exactly this thing with and that I that I don't stop halfway through. And I make sure that my spelling is right and my handwriting is all nice. And basically perfectionism can really totally destroy the enjoyment that I get from notebooks. And while I was thinking about this this morning, I remember I remembered my mum when I was in my early 20s, saying to me that it's easier to rewrite than it is to write. And this, over time, has become something that I I call the blank page syndrome. At that moment, she was talking about a letter that I had to contribute to a legal situation. And I was kind of freaking out about it. And I didn't know what to write. I didn't really know how to express myself. I didn't know where to start with it. And what she did was she wrote me a shitty first draft. (laughs) She wrote me her perspective. She produced this on a piece of paper, scratchy writing on a piece of paper, and it was mostly all wrong. It was from her perspective. It was in language that I wasn't going to use. I'm kind of more of a bullet point and she likes, you know, full sentences, but she was right. It was so much easier for me to work in response to her letter to see what it was that I wanted to change, what I wanted to say, the points that maybe she had written that I thought were good, but I wanted to say more about them or less about them, or I wanted to say different things or things that she hadn't included. But it was easier for me to rewrite her letter to write the letter I wanted to write because I was looking at somebody else's version. My brain had something to work on. Because sometimes knowing what we don't want is as helpful as knowing what we do want. And in my design practice, I used to call this the process of elimination to illumination. I can produce 50 different things. And if you dislike 49 of them, that's amazing. If you dislike 50 of them, that is absolute hen's teeth brilliant. Because with all of that information about what you don't want, it's going to be so much easier for me as your designer, as I was, to produce something that you do want, or at least it narrows the field hugely. But it requires something to be there in the first instance, something for our our brains to bounce off, something for us to react to. Now, when we start unraveling stories of our past, 
things that have happened to us in our life, our interpretations, our limiting beliefs, our traditional ways of doing things, of being, can, it can really feel like we're rubbing our life out, like we're rubbing things away. And if we keep rubbing things out, eventually we're going to end up with nothing, nothing that tethers us, nothing that holds us where we are, nothing that keeps us here and us, our identity disappears, nothing that shows us where we belong, nothing that we can grab a hold of for stability. And if this has ever happened to you or you've ever had these thoughts, I hear you. I went through this myself. I called it, like I said, the blank sheet syndrome when I was in my early 20s. And it's something that I've noticed coming again and again and again, even this morning with a brand new notebook. The great untethering, possibility, opportunity. But the fear when you look at that sheet and there's nothing on it, that's real fear. There are no guidelines. There's no idea of direction. You can do anything. And so you do nothing. (laughs) Well, here's what I want to offer. We can never get to a blank sheet. You can not rub out all of the things from your life. You've had a life and you've had experiences and you have a central nervous system that carries those with you in various stages of learning, unlearning, adapting, reacting, all the things. We are never, ever empty of our lives. We're never totally rubbed out. We are us, including our life, not apart from it or instead of it or in spite of us. We don't create a new us. We evolve. What we have when we realize the power that we do have in our lives to create a different future is we have freedom. We are free to choose. And for someone who maybe hasn't had that before or who hasn't seen seen that modeled, who hasn't seen the comfort in freedom of choice specimen floating around the world, it can be hard to do something with it. There is no existing experience that we can grab a hold of that actually makes sense to us. When this comes up in my coaching practice, I like to use a gardening analogy because what our mind is seeking in those moments of untethered kind of freaking out is not a long list of all the to-dos for our future, like the how-tos of our future, although that may seem tempting. If the how-tos, if the to-dos are all written down, they're somebody else's. And it also isn't after returning to your past, although that again may feel like a possibility and it may feel like a comfort. It might feel tempting because it's familiar. What helps most at this moment where you get a sense of untethering is to have a framework. Now, a framework isn't prescriptive or definitive, but like a garden support, where you have a plant and you decide where you want it to grow and you tend to it, you water it, you protect it from extreme weather variations and people trampling on it. Maybe you give it some physical support while it gets stronger, something that it can rest on or bind itself to and something it can grow through that it can use to maintain its consistency and its integrity as it stabilizes, as it gets older and more sturdy, a frame. 
The plant will grow as the plant will grow. The frame is not there to restrict it. But the plant may lean on the framework as support in the early days. And a frame, if you can imagine it, you know, those metal or wood or beam poles or whatever it is, it's, there are strong lines there, but there are huge holes. There are great big spaces for the plant to flourish as it is to flourish. The nature of the plant, whether it's a bushy thing or a tall thing or a leggy thing, for it to flourish as it will. So it doesn't grow to look like the frame. Eventually, you may not even see the frame, need the frame. But in those early days, the frame is really helpful. But it's not directive. It's objective support, if you like. But it's subjectively used by the plant. No two plants are going to use it in the same way. They won't use it at the same point of growth. They won't use it to define its nature or its its substance, like a, a if you use bean poles and you, you're growing a rose, the rose isn't going to become a bean, right? So your free choice when it's rewilded, perhaps it could do with a bit of a framework. But the framework is only a tool. And like a hammer, well, a hammer is great for hammering in nails, but it might not be the most efficient, effective, or wanted tool for painting. Tools have got to fit the, the work, the purpose that they are required for. So any framework that you use in your personal development has got to work for you. That's why so many different coaches offer so many different tools. You get to choose which one or which multiple ones provide you the non-directive structure for you to grow unrestricted, for you to be supported, to be the you that you are. Just like every plant has different requirements, so does every human. The framework that I offer my clients is integrative because I believe that a regulated central nervous system and a nourished body allows for effective mind work, which is a very powerful tool. And those in combination allow for access to your higher purpose. So my tool, my framework has three main threads, three legs of support, if you like. Physical, psychological, and other. <laughs> your, your physical, your animal body support involves your awareness of self, awareness of state, language and knowledge to understand your body and its messages and tools to soothe and nourish, to hear and to heal both your body and your central nervous system and build a relationship of trust within yourself. And this builds inner safety. And there's a psychological support, which is awareness of mindset, of the language and knowledge that you may benefit from knowing to decondition your mind from inherited or learned messages, systemic messages, those that have been accepted without consent from you and may limit your personal ability for a fulfilling life with success and ease baked into it. And this builds sovereignty and it amplifies your inner safety. And other, I say other because many things will resonate with many people. It could be that the other is your innate genius. It could be God. It could be common consciousness. It could be love. It could be spirit, source, 
principles of science, whatever works for you. The slightly more outside of us, universal, esoteric otherness, the thing that we can't explain. The thing that we can't explain, but that we do gravitate to, to help us feel safe within our body and mind in this world. And the irony is that we've got to feel safe within our body and mind to explore the esoteric freely. The thing that holds the universal truth that we are who we are meant to be is accessed when we feel safe, that our worth is unquestionable no matter our behavior. This other, this space of other is your higher purpose pull. In combination, these three legs of support allow for access to the life that you really want, access to whatever you really want. They offer an understanding of the talents that you already innately have as valuable, not just as the thing that's swept under the carpet because it is so easy for you that you haven't even recognized its value. Integrated as a framework, as a support, these supports are entirely bespoke to you, to your body, to your lived experience, to your mind, to your desires, to your neurophysiology, to your everything. And they show you how to craft your too-good-to-be-true life, you know? Those, like, oh, gosh, that was, I got paid for that. That is too good to be true. And you get to have that as a life, as your life. Shit will happen, 100%. Shit will happen. Shit does. We cannot control the world. Excuse me, control is not the right word here. You get to choose the life that you want to lead, how you react to the world. And you get to have your too-good-to-be-true life without the fear that ease means you're cheating or that somebody's going to find out because there's no way that someone will pay you for this. It really, if it's this easy for me, it must be this easy for everybody. And that's like one of the most fundamental, big, hairy lies. What's easy for you, what you love doing is actually what is terribly difficult for somebody else and what they have zero interest in doing what they actually want to pay somebody else to do for them. One of my deepest loves and appreciations in the world is having an ordered clean house. One of my deepest dislikes is organizing and cleaning. So can you see the gap here? (laughs) Yeah. So your life up to date, it's your first draft. And it's mostly been written by somebody else. I'm going to say that again. Your life to date is your first draft, and it's mostly been written by somebody else. You get to rewrite it, knowing what you now know about you and your life, what's been working, what hasn't, what you enjoy, what you don't. You get to be the author of your future, and you get infinite do-overs. You get infinite changes of mind, trials, experiments, infinite In the yawning aircraft hangar of you can do anything, in that big echoey space, if you feel untethered or if you feel the blank page syndrome is arising, I want to offer you some framework questions 
per area of support. And think of them as tools for you to see and support what you would like to grow. So my questions that I offer you here will prompt your framework, prompt your own bespoke framework. As ever, you know what's best for you. So please take only what works and leave the rest of it or come back and listen at a different time or maybe and come back and listen at a different time and see if these tools, these questions can support you differently in a different season of growth or rest, if they can prompt new or remembered information about what it is that you're choosing to nurture. So if we look first at the physical body, what are the animal needs of a human? And how can I honor them? I enjoy when it comes to building a support framework for us, a bespoke support framework to first zoom out so that I can see myself as part of the human race. And so that I can see that there's a bit of, like there's a bit of perspective in me honoring my animal needs. It's not a character flaw that I need sleep, for example. <laughs> it's because I'm human, I'm an animal. And did you know, actually, by the by, that humans are the only mammals that attempt to have all of their sleep in one chunk? <laughs> yep, you can chew on that for a while. So often our basic animal needs are totally overlooked. Sleep, um, nourishing food, being in nature, outside, having the sun on our face, breathing through our nose as opposed to our mouth. Our environment, and that includes people, places, brain, and body consumption. What are we ingesting? What are we consuming? So often these things are overlooked. So what are the animal needs of a human? And how can I honor them in my life? What suits me as a human creature? Again, this is just recognizing the fact that I'm an animal, right? These aren't character things. What soothes me as a human creature when my body is reactive? So if you can zoom out from any reaction that you have to certain things in life or have had to certain things in life, what has helped allow you to move through that? What has soothed you? Maybe it was action, activity, doing something. Maybe it was sleeping. Maybe it was eating, physical contact, screaming, crying. Maybe it was shaking it out, writing everything down. This is bespoke to you. When you know what soothes you as a human creature, when your body is reactive, that's like a list that you can turn to. Another thing that I love to do is to tune into my body energy levels. So I'm using me as an example here. Obviously, these are questions that I ask my clients. I could say you, but you know, I'm using me. So I ask myself, well, where does my energy feel recharged? Who am I with? What am I doing? How can I do more of that? And equally, where does my energy feel like it's leaking out? Where do I feel depleted? And how can I do less of that? For me, walking my dog, energy up. Large amounts of people, energy down. <laughs> And then you get to be curious about this because it's just data. Please remember, this is just data. You can get curious about the data. Is it, for example, with me, large groups, energy down. Is it always happening with large groups or is it certain groups? 
What do I do to keep my energy up when it's dropping? Do I do something? And I do, actually. Well, in fact, I used to, not so much now. But it used to be in large groups of people where I felt like I should be there. I had a manual for how I had to behave. I had to be sociable. I had to be fun. I had to be good company, all the things. And when my energy would drop, because my central nervous system actually finds many bodies in one space, challenging, overwhelming. And also I don't hear so well. So I would be focusing really super hard, trying to drown out lots of other information that was coming at me to just focus on this one person who was ahead of me. I would get really tired and my conversation would, frankly, it would just dry up. So I would drink alcohol. That would get me over the hump. It would loosen my tongue and there's sugar in alcohol. So it would kind of give me a burst of energy. It would wake me up. Well, okay. Now I know that as data, remember as data, am I okay with that? Is that the method I want to use? Do I want to find another way that doesn't require me hacking my body? Or maybe do I want to see if, like I wanted to, to be in that environment with big groups of people less often, or maybe seeing fewer people at any one time? And you can hear here in my questions that I'm also considering the questions of where I am reacting to a situation as opposed to responding to a situation. So from the reaction of, I have to be here, I have to be doing these things, like the, so the peer um, social stressor activation of that, I'm not being responsive. But now I'm sitting and I'm considering this calmly, I can be responsive. What do I want to do in that circumstance? What did I do in that circumstance? And what can I learn from that that's going to serve me in my future? And this is all in support of my animal self. Moving on to psychological or mind work, learning and unlearning. Always remember that efficient mindset work doesn't happen when you're activated. So think of this as something to do when you are calm. This is something to do not right immediately in the moment, but also think of mindset support as on the pitch and off the pitch. So off the pitch is the calm questioning that you can do to really see and assess if your, if your beliefs, if your actions, if your, you know, how you are, what you think has to be done in a certain situation is serving you. It's the archaeology, the deconstructing, the unlearning and the setting of intention for your future based on what does serve you, or indeed what you recognize hasn't served you in the past. So that's, you can rewrite. I'm like, okay, I saw that. And now I want to rewrite that. I want to rewrite that legal letter. I want it to look like this. This is what I want to do in the future. And then the on the pitch mindset stuff is where you get to put that work into practice. So as a framework for your future, you get to, again, ask broad questions. I like, you know, zooming out what can I think about humans that opens up possibility for humans to meet their animal needs without any judgment? So this is linking back into your animal needs, but it's also what's preventing me doing that now? What am I thinking about 
taking care of myself that perhaps I could be thinking about differently. And when we zoom out and we think about it for humans in general, sometimes that perspective allows us space to see where we can find a truth for all humans and therefore apply that to us as a stepping stone. So self-belief questions like how can those thoughts, the thoughts that you would have just described when you're looking at um, a human meeting their own animal needs without judgment, you can look at how can those thoughts or those facts or however it is that you would describe them, the answer to that question, allow me to meet my animal needs without judgment? Or, or and, how can I accept judgment if it does come as a habit, not a character flaw? One of my favorite questions, which also ties together mindset and animal body, because you ask the question in your head, but the answers are really responded to in your body. What are my core values? This is beautiful work. I love value work. It is such a personal, helpful framework for moving into the future as you wish to. When you know what your core values are, what's really important to you, then you can look and you can say, okay, well, where are my values matched in my life. And often you'll find that where they are matched is where you feel energized, where your energy up and where they aren't matched is where your energy is down. So if they are matched, okay, that's brilliant. That's great data. If they aren't, how does that make me feel? How does it make me feel when they are How does it make me feel when they aren't? And this is like a little flag. You're like, okay, so when my values aren't matching the environment, the contract, the person, the relationship, the whatever, I feel X, Y, Z. And when I'm aligned with my values, when I'm in a space where my values are also the values of other people, this is not thinking the same thing as other people. This is core values, for example, love, trust, integrity, where my values are aligned to a certain percentage or maybe even fully in a space, how do I feel there? What support can I put in place that allows me to pause at any given moment and get perspective of what is going on and what I'm thinking about this situation, either with relation to my values or generally? What can I right now put in place for me in the future that allows me that pause. I've actually got an episode um, coming up on value. So if that's something that you haven't spent a lot of time considering, then that'll be coming up for you. A couple more great framework questions that support a, a mindset in your future that you wish is, I love this question as well. How can I protect myself in advance To allow my growth, understanding that protecting isn't hiding. Do you remember all the way back when I was saying you have that plant, you've decided where you're putting it, you're going to put this framework up, you're going to protect it from unexpected weather or extremes of weather, snow. You're going to protect it from something trampling over it. Protecting something isn't hiding it, it is giving it chance to grow. Another wonderful question, how can I set, do you like how I'm biased here? Like, these are great questions. Love them, take them, have them, build a beautiful life. (laughs) They are great questions. And don't forget as well that 
the better the quality your questions, the better the quality your answers. So really, you know, write these down, have a good think about them. Use them now, use them in the future. They'll be in the transcript. So if that's easier for you, then you can print off that transcript and just have these that you can look at, you can think about. So the great question, how can I set a recovery plan in place when I'm deciding to stretch my limits? So this is almost like, where am I going to build a framework in the future? Because I've got a, I've got a clematis and it's, it's filling this framework now and I want to grow over there. So what kind of framework am I going to put in place? How am I going to support myself there? Am I going to grow and come back to safety? How am I going to do that? And that may include more questions like, how do I want to treat myself no matter the outcome of my choices? When we have freedom of choice, we make a decision, right? Free choice means decisions. Our opportunities are there. And if you have historically treated yourself like crap, if an outcome of a decision that you've made wasn't what you expected or wasn't what you hoped for, then you may well be scared of making decisions now because of how you're going to treat yourself in the future. It's a bit meta. There's so much value in your answers to these questions. When I consider a support framework around higher purpose with my clients, usually the first thing that derails them is the endemic, the cultural, the religious, the the family belief that doing what you want or what you're pulled to do, especially if that thing is filled with joy and ease for you, is being selfish. You prioritizing you is selfish, which I happen to think is the one belief that underpins most of the issues that we have today. There is such a lot of mindset work that can be done around that belief, but I want to offer you just now a way of asking something that sets that work to the side for now, not to not do the work, but just so that you can progress with this leg of support for your future. And here's the question. It's a long one. If everyone in the whole world, all the people I loved and all the other people in the world were healthy, needed nothing, if all of their money cares were taken care of, I wasn't needed to do anything. All the things were sorted. If I had rested as much as I wanted to, and I knew in the future I had all the time and the space and the grace and the self-love and the love from all the other people to rest whenever and however I want to, what would I be curious about? In a room that is chock-a-block with opportunities, where are the crumbs of my curiosity leading me? Which opportunity would I be pulled to dance with? Which would I put on my dance card for the second dance? Be very clear in advance that you're not going to judge your answer to this. Note it, even if it feels outrageous and huge, or even if it feels tinsy tiny, listen to your answer and recognize the impact that your answer has within your body, within you. Something else that I love to consider around the higher purpose and our support within that is 
if you have had a history of repeating patterns, there actually may well be a mastery that you've built up over time, a skill that you have built up over time as part of your lived experience. And it may not have served you in the way that you were using it historically, but it doesn't necessarily need to be thrown away. It may be something with just a little tweak can be used in a very different way, in a way that opens the world up to you, opens possibility up to you. So where is the skill that I have been habitually using that could be repurposed? An example of this, if your brain's like, what do you mean, Sally? An example of this for me is people-pleasing. I am so good at it. I am so good at it. I'm so good at noticing small changes within people. And I was so good at managing situations and being, you know, who do you need? Boof. Who do you want? Boof. What do you want? Boof. I was like the genie in Aladdin, right? I could be whatever, whoever. So the skill that I built up within that was actually, I am so good at reading body language. I'm so good at reaching into a conversation and pulling out what somebody actually means as opposed to what they're saying. That's a great skill. And I use it now within coaching. So I'm not people pleasing my clients, but I'm using the skill from four decades worth of people pleasing in coaching, in something that I desperately love, that I, that I feel is of great benefit to humanity. So what comes with huge ease to you that you've never considered a skill that may be something that you take into your future, something that benefits you. Digging into your innate ease and combining that with possibility and opportunity opens your mind to such a rich platter of options, such, a, a, such an array of directions that you can take. And if you find yourself slipping into blank page syndrome, as I say that, Go back to the beginning of the questions, right? You don't need to do anything with your answers to these questions. The thing about frameworks is they support you behind the scenes as well as in those early days in perhaps a more obvious way, but they're there. They're there for you to use as and when you need them. And sometimes it's enough just to know that you've looked at these questions and you've looked at your answers just to put it in a drawer and put it away. Like, you know, it's there. And if you choose that you do want to invest time in and with your framework, more time with it, then you have all of that juicy information just ready and waiting for you to dive into. And how curious to look back in a year's time and see maybe where you've changed your mind, where things are different. But either way, using the questions that I offer you here, I hope you get a, a peek at the knowing that you already have everything that you need to lean into being you and to nurturing the future in a way that exercises your bespoke support, your framework, your future grown your way, supported by the answers that you have to the questions that I've offered you. I hope you enjoy. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope very much that you did, don't forget to hit subscribe so all future episodes get automatically downloaded to your listening platform. And come hang out with me over on Instagram, Ali Hardy underscore coach.